Hi, it's just a Cheshire kid. I'm calling to see if you have any job openings. Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Oh, hello. Hey there. How's it going? That felt weird. I thought. All right. I thought, let's say a different greeting. <laughs> I don't like hey there. I don't like it at all. <laughs> Did it not feel natural for you? Oh, no. I need to go. It looked like. Bathed it looked in like bleach. you. Yeah, it looked like you swallowed bleach for the moment that you were saying it. Woof. <sighs> but welcome to Bitch Watch. Yes, welcome. Welcome or welcome back. You found us. Jesus or Christ. Found us you're again. on a roll. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> um. Well, to open our episode, you have a really fun story, so I will be very quick with what I wanted to say, and then I'll let you take all the time you need, because yours is a big deal. Um, I was going to talk- <gasps> Oh, I wasn't going to talk about that. I was just going to talk about Tanner getting me ice cream, but yeah, I guess that is a oh, big deal. Oh, I thought you were- that's what you were- you said the really sweet thing he did. So you've got a pretty cool big story to open the episode, so uh, I'm going to be selfish and go first, only because my story is so small and it's- inconsequential and i'll let you take all the time you need to tell your story i'm sure that's not true Uh oh but it is i was going to talk about the dentist but then i realized not everyone's comfortable talking about teeth and the dentist's uh whole thing i'll just say that i had two permanent crowns put on in the last week so that was fun but my actual Uh story is about my favorite time of year mcrib season oh my god So uh, after the dentist last week, because I could barely open my mouth because I was sore from injections, I ordered a McRib. It was beautiful. It was delicious. And then tonight for dinner, because my HelloFresh box did not show up. Not sponsored. Please sponsor. Um, (laughs) True. I need easy meals, man. (laughs) My husband and I went to McDonald's, uh, also not a sponsor. Please sponsor. And got some McRibs. And they screwed up our frickin' sandwiches. We ordered them with no onion. And they confirmed... Uh At the drive-thru, no onion. And then they confirmed at the final window as they're handing us our bag. No, two McRibs, no onion, you know, blah, blah, fry, drink, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, perfect. We get home, open the boxes, both have onions. That's why you gotta always check in the line. McDonald's, get your shit together. True. That's my story. Small and inconsequential. I want to say something else controversial. I'll just hit you with the... Don't. We don't have to repeat it. We don't have to repeat it. Okay. <laughs> You'll have to leave again, won't you? I don't like the McRib. Uh... Brian, fan. Brian said the McRib wasn't as good as he remembers them being. Apparently they were really good back in the day. I didn't have my first McRib until 2017. Oh, gotcha. So... I remember, like, people I knew really liked the McRib and it was a big deal. I just... The thought of it always in the sauce just wasn't my thing. They... We used to have... And this is very specific. I, I mean, I don't think that... Okay, maybe this isn't very specific, but when I tell this to people who didn't grow up where I did, or, mm-hmm. you know, they they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So this one's for you, Jesse, because Jesse will know what I'm talking about. Let's... Someone will finally know what the hell you're talking about. In my school district growing up, in the parish, we occasionally would have, for lunch, a meal called the pork ribette sandwich. A ribette, yes. A pork ribette, which is basically what the McRib is. So I don't know if I really love the McRib or if it's just something nostalgic that reminds me of a school lunch I had as a child. Because they're very close, except the ribette had more divots in it. Mm Mm-hmm. It actually tried to be a rib. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it just is very similar. I feel like Louisiana had maybe baller school lunches because one of my favorite things of all time was actually served at school. And I thought it was gross at first and I didn't want to eat it until 
another kid made me eat it, and it's chili cheese chips. Mm-hmm. And they just take some tortilla chips, load them suckers on with, like, wolf brand chili. Not even, like, homemade chili. Wolf brand chili. Mm-hmm. And smother it in shredded cheddar cheese. Um, I have to say, speaking of Louisiana school lunches. We, I love how this was supposed to be a short thing, but you and I are bonding over Louisiana school lunches. I will say, most of my life before I moved to Missouri, super oh. doxed. Oh no, it literally says in my Twitter bio, <laughs> Louisiana native, Missouri tra- uh, transplant. So for most of my life, I grew up in what I will say central Louisiana. But there were yes. a couple of years where I lived down in southern Louisiana, which is why I say Louisiana funny. The school lunches there, completely different league. Completely different league. I didn't love them. Yeah. But they're, <laughs> with it being southern Louisiana, they had to really cater to Catholics. And I re- remember they would always serve, you had the option of Ish. grilled cheese, which was always burnt because they're doing it in a big broiler. Yeah. Or you could eat a fish, basically a filet fish but cheaper yep. because of school and it had a cheese slice in it. And I don't really love combining fish and oh. dairy, like cheese. So I hated it. And I think I resent, I don't want to say Catholicism because of it, but maybe. Um, Ooh, understandable. <laughs> but back where I'm actually from, every now and then they would actually serve a really good gumbo for lunch. Okay. My story. It's not really important when our anniversary is. Just know that we exchanged presents early. So I got Tanner a Lana Del Rey vinyl. I got him a Jeff Rosenstock vinyl. He mentioned a while back that he wanted to theme his gaming space slash room that he wanted it to do. He wanted it to be a space theme. So I knew exactly. Oh, shoot. I know exactly what I'm going to get him. It's one of those star projectors with like it makes a nebula and it looks like space on your wall or ceiling or wherever you want to point it. And then he stuns me with his present and he's like, okay, close your eyes. And I'm like sitting in his lap on the couch and he's like, don't open your eyes until you hear the thing. And I was like, oh God, I'm scared. What is this? I'm like squinting my eyes. I'm flinching. I don't know what's about to happen. And then all of a sudden I hear Dan Dan Avadan, Daniel Avadan from Ninja Sex Party slash Game Grumps who I've been watching our entire relationship, which is 10 years. We even got engaged right before their live show in Kansas City that we went to. And Tanner decided that he would get a cameo from Dan. He said hi. And then he talked about how it's kind of crazy that we've been together for 10 years and that we got engaged before the show. He's like, and I'm really glad you said yes, because otherwise that show would have probably really sucked. (laughs) And then finally, when he didn't ask for it, uh, he just did it. He sang heart boner it was really cute it's acapella and yeah it was just really really sweet and it was really cool I told tanner that i'm gonna make the hello megan this is a message from danny and tanner as my alarm every morning i'm gonna put this sucker in audacity <laughs> that way That's every morning fantastic. i wake up to danny saying hello megan <laughs> <laughs> I still hold, so you messaged me a little bit after that. You got Tanner's permission to share the moment with me to be like, hey, check this out. Yes, because you're a big fan as well. Yeah. I mean, you just showed me the main point. I didn't see the whole video, but you're like, how do I, what do we do with this? How do we, what do we do? What do we do? And I went, you just Mm -hmm. elope and you said, this is your wedding announcement. (laughs) Just be done with it. Because what tops this? Yeah, exactly. I thought it would be really cheesy if I introduced it. Like, oh, here's a musical guest who couldn't make it here in person. And then just cut it so where he's singing and then that's for Megan and Tanner. (laughs) I just think that would be so funny. But also it was really funny because we have this running joke that anything Tanner 
does for me that's really sweet and a surprise. There has to be one tiny thing. It's not enough to mess anything up or ruin an occasion, but just one thing is slightly off. Like my birthday cake that he surprised me with this year said, happy birthday fly, as in the insect, as opposed to sly, which is my screen name. And then in the video, Danny accidentally called him Travis at one point instead of Tanner, but he didn't. <laughs> that was only once. It was only once. Yeah, it was, like you said, <laughs> as you're sending me a Marco Polo of the video playing, I, as soon as I heard Travis, I backed out of the Marco Polo <laughs> and immediately text you just Travis at all lowercase. <laughs> and I come back into the video and here you go, she stopped watching, get back in here. <laughs> and then I, you, you hear vroom, vroom, and you're like, oh, she texted me the word Travis. Okay, she's back. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about the fact that you, me, and Brian, the four of us go back quite some time. Yes. Not as a big collective unit until more recently, but we have known each other for the better part of six years somewhere in there yeah. in the mesh. Or at least known of each other. Or of each other. Brian and Tanner go further back than that. But Brian has the personality where he really likes to pick with people. He's kind of a butthole mm -hmm. just to be a butthole for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I see that, I'm like, okay, I make a mental note that I have to tell Brian about Travis. And <laughs> since you Marco Polo back and I go, be right back, changing my, my information for Tanner and my phone to Travis and Brian's. And I go downstairs. I tell Brian, I'm like, hey, we're calling Tanner Travis from now on. And he went, okay. And didn't ask any questions except for like, but why? But. <laughs> that was after the okay. Yeah. And today, I didn't tell you this yet. I was waiting until we were recording. Today, I was trying to get a hold of you. Uh, because I had texted you earlier in the afternoon and then I texted you a couple hours later and then I texted you again. And I was cause like, all right, she's asleep. But before I text you, I, I, I told Brian, I was like, I think I'm going to have to text Travis. And he goes, who? And I go, insert last <laughs> name here. And he went, oh yeah, why? And I go, because I can't go to hold of Megan. And he's like, oh, she's probably asleep. And I went, I know. That's why I got to text Travis. <laughs> Good time. So Gilmore Girls. So Gilmore Girls. This is such a big, big deal for me that it feels so negligible. Anything else that I talk about afterwards. That's why I talked about the McRib first. <laughs> you know what kind of an <laughs> asshole I'd have to be like, be like, wow, great anniversary present. My McRib came with onions. <laughs> oh my god. I asked for no onions. Great story, by the way. I asked for no onions. I had to go first. It's cool that this celebrity that's really big in your world did a thing, but my freaking McRib had onions on it, and I'm about to bitch about it. I'm about to smoke someone's boots. Jesus. <laughs> so, moving to slightly, still related to Danny, and then moving towards a Gilmore Girls more related topic, I wanted to call you out, and I haven't given you any warning. Two episodes ago, Kirk asked Lorelai out on a date. And you said you wouldn't go out with him because he lives at his mother's house, right? Oh, okay, yeah. But you're all about ninja sex parties. Welcome to my parents' house. What okay. if that would be his experience? What was that? What if that's your experience? And you're gonna turn away from that? She could leave out some snackies. She's gonna have so many types of juice. <gasps> that's true. free pizza rolls. She still. I was gonna say she still buys pizza rolls. Yeah. Holy crap. Okay, maybe you're right. And you can meet the sassy rascal dog. You're such a sassy rascal, aren't you? Cut that, please. <clears throat> but yes. So I'm calling. Okay. All right. Out. Okay. I thought I actually did something wrong and I got really scared. I was like, oh no, I'm not ready for to be put on blast. <laughs> but I thought about it later. I was like, you're so, you're such a fan of Welcome to My Parents' House. I know. It's a great song. And I mean, okay, listen, there's a big difference between Danny Sexbang and Kirk Kirkerson. Does he have a last name? No. Okay. 
the the vibes are just different. But he could have all of the juices. He could have free pizza rolls. He could have, like I said, free snackies. You love snackies. I do love snackies, especially with all the ganja I smoke. But, <laughs> but hear me out. I don't think Danny in Welcome to My Parents' House is cutting holes in the knees of his mom's pants. But his mom is interrupting him for being too loud and telling him he needs to go to bed. And his dad ate all the ham out of the fridge. He always does this! I know, it's not a 100% great situation. (laughs) Yeah. He always does that, man. Frick. God. Avi, get it together. Of course it's a girl. I'm just saying. You know what? You have to reconsider. Okay. All right. I'll put it back on the table. If Kirk Kirkerson ever asks me out with his homicidal cat, (laughs) I will make sure... To consider it carefully. Just just ask him what the juice situation is before you make your decision. That's true. Because there are specific juices I cannot drink. Otherwise, I will not be able to leave the bathroom the whole night. And then his mom's going to be real upset. But that's kind of gross. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. So rankings for season three end, which we did not get to watch the this finale together it just didn't work out scheduling was crazy my dog lost a toenail it's a whole thing i think at that point i had already watched it without you because i forgot we were doing that because i was wrapped up in what the hell was happening right i'm gonna go ahead and just kick it off with my f tier we've we got two residents who stay in that f tier dean and chris now taylor dosi has dropped down to an f i don't exactly remember why i did that for him but i was just not feeling dosi's bullshit this week And then we got our girl Paris for being an annoying little bitch. That's it. Okay, my F tier. Dean, because he lives there. Oh, yeah. I'm just doxing him. Um, Christopher is in my F tier. (laughs) And then your boy Jess is in my F tier. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? Deserved. Deserved. My D tier, Taylor Dosey. D is for Dosey. He stayed there. I am mm-hmm. going to go ahead and move Paris down to the D tier. Understandable. Right. She's really annoying right now. Hey, Paris got the D in this stint. Is she in the D in this stint? <laughs> for some reason, I have Zach in the D tier. I do as well. He's just inconsequential and a dumb bitch. Yeah, right now I'm not crazy about him. He's more important later. Yeah, I'm out here calling people bitches. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm so grumpus. But that's my D tier. Just those three. Okay, my D tier is Zach, as I mentioned. Jackson, because he pissed me off about something. Don't remember what it was at the moment, but I think he was just annoying. Mrs. Kim, because she was really pushing the Young Chu thing and stop it. And Jess is in the D tier for that finale. So I'm not, I'm not blind that my boy messed up, but we'll, t- we'll get there. My C tier is Miss Rory Gilmore, of course. <laughs> Max Medina, because he was professional. He didn't start anything. He tried to finish everything. It was really good. Emily and Richard are in the C tier because conniving, scheming, annoying, blamey, don't like it. That's it. So I wonder if I was drunk when I did this. Uh, (laughs) So my C tier, Rory Gilmore. Of course. Babette dropped back down to a C. I just felt like she was very average this season. She only got a B in my book because of the national anthem. Yep. Like I said, Babette and Patty, they're both just neutral this season. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Kim is a C and Jackson is a C. Okay. So we both found Jackson slightly annoying. (laughs) He's just neutral in my book. I, he gotcha. he has he's not doing much. He has strengths when he's excited. You know, when they find out Suki's mm-hmm. pregnant, he does kind of go out the deep end for a little bit while he's processing it. But at the same yeah, he time, does. he yells at Rory for planning that party without consulting him. Or <laughs> okay, so that he, was pretty good actually. He kind of just washed out as a C. So so for my B tier, I have Lorelai. 
Oh, that's okay. Yeah. The I queen, see I, I think this that. is the first time she's dropped. Yeah. I went back and forth on my decision a lot. Put her in the B tier. Then I got Emily in the B tier. Got Richard in the B tier. Got Michelle in the B tier. And here, are you ready? Here's the big upset. Buckle up, everyone. Max Medina okay. got a B tier. Oh, dang. Hot take. Okay, if out of any of the times we see Max, this is the time he should be in the B tier. Yes. I found something about his interaction with Lorelai of the magnetism that they have. The timing just didn't work out, but they are still so almost animalistically drawn to one another. But that doesn't mean that necessarily that they're supposed to be together. No, exactly. They're they're not supposed to be together. That does not mean I did not enjoy the hell out of that scene. I yeah. love the yeah. two of them interacting. Where she's pursuing him. In the classroom. And he's like, no, mm-hmm. keep distance between us because I don't know what's going to happen. I love it. You're like it. some, what was it? Mythological creature. Yeah. <laughs> I what just, he called her. I found it like combine nerdy and steamy. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I eat that yeah. shit up. I loved it. So he got a high ranking from me. <laughs> Understandable. My B tier is Babette and Patty for that national anthem situation. Killed the game. Suki, because Melissa McCarthy is so beautiful in this season. I don't know what they did different. And also, I just like her character this season. I don't really have a huge justification. I just like her. She's good. She's there. She's awesome. We got Lane because she is killing it on the drums. I just love seeing her with Dave. I love it. I like seeing the side of Lane. And also, she had the balls to call her mom drunk. That was insane absolutely reckless you get to jump up a tear for that and then of course michelle because in the episode where the fire breaks out and he calls the other in not to place the guests but to ask if they are hiring (laughs) (laughs) that killed me that's one of his best jokes so moving on to a tier i went back and forth I did place Lorelai in the A tier, but she can't, like, she's like an add an A minus. She's, she's about to drop if she doesn't get her ish together, which I think she's getting her ish together. We've got Luke, of course, the king, the god, Kirk, a god among men, and then Dave Rogalski. Oh my god, I don't know why I never paid attention to him the first time around that I've watched this, but he is so precious. He is such a sweetheart. He is so understanding. And also I about died whenever he found that Lane drunk called her mom and he goes to pick, hold her shoulders to be like, what is going on? And she kisses him and he's like, oh, you're drunk. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> So good. My A tier is Kirk, of course, God Among Men. Mm-hmm. Suki got the A tier. I love mm-hmm. the hell out of her performance this season. Great yes. character. She's there for Lorelai when Lorelai needs her. Plus, like I said, she gets pregnant this season. It's just really cute. I love her story. I love where they're going Mm -hmm. with her. Lane got A tier. Dave also made my A tier. Of course. Because he's so cute and so precious. But the thing that pushed me over, for sure, they got him a strong A, was when he's trying to find the quote that Mrs. Kim says to that him. That too. Yes. And we'll get into it in a full detail, but he, he shows up the next day and you can tell he hasn't changed out of what he was wearing, his suit and his tie are unkempt and he's cracked out and he says that he read the Bible the entire way through overnight and Mrs. Kim yep. says, I'm impressed. I've only done such three times. Like I've only done the same, or I've only done it three times in my whole life and he just is bending over backwards for the girl that he likes and it's just yeah. very, very cute. And then of course, course mr luke danes oh mr fine mr danes mr danes mr danes i'm going to make a big wild guess right now that luke will be in my a tier the entire watch through except for one season okay i think i know the season yep is that when his daughter shows up frick her 
Yeah, I hate Seriously, I hate though. that season. So he mm-hmm. will drop. I don't know how far he will fall, but he shall fall. Kirk doesn't move. He's glued to A tier. <laughs> yeah, so that's our tiers. Let us know what you think. Let us know where we're absolutely wackadoo. Do you think Dean should be in the A tier? If so, unfollow us. Stop listening. Don't talk to us. We don't want it. <laughs> Add us on Twitter so I can block you. <laughs> True. <laughs> And then she'll send it to me, and then I'll block you. We don't need that negativity in our space. Mm-mm, no, mm-mm, no. I feel like I was a little harsh on Paris, but I just could not stand her this season. She has a lot of strong points this season, but... My God. All of the ratty rattiness that we will get into for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Trash. Just... Get it out of here. Don't want it. This week, we are closing out season three, discussing episodes 15 through 22. This was a good stint. This was a strong one. Episode 15, Face Off. My lord. I could not think of anything worse than having the Dosi clan infiltrate my town. All because of a hockey game. So the hockey team who Dean is a part of. A high school hockey game at that. Yeah. 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 But they have all come down because this is the this is the first time in 40 years they made it to regional semifinals. Dosi is losing his mind. Has brought in his entire family is trying to put them up at the Independence Inn. So Lorelai is having to deal with it. It's a nightmare. Horrific. Turns out Dosi was actually on the hockey team last time they made it this far and he caught a puck with his head to which I said, "Oh, of course Dosi got hit in the head with a puck." Even Luke points out that he could see the dent. I thought you were going to say, oh, that explains it. (laughs) Basically. That's what I was thinking when I heard that. It was lovely. Trix comes to visit and absolutely, of course, drives Emily crazy until Emily is out running errands because Trix is going to have a ladies of the blah, 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 herpeter society come over for tea. While she's out, she's got the flowers and everything in hand. She's trying to fumble keys into the lock. She gets inside and she sees Trix making out with a man in a purple jumpsuit. So she slowly backs out of the house and she knows this is her kryptonite. This is what she's going to use against Trix. And so later that night, Trix is just railing her about how the tea is not cold enough and how she's humming and it's driving her crazy. And Lorelai's witnessing all of this. Emily finally breaks and says, I saw Trix making out with a man in a purple tracksuit. Trix loses it. She breaks down, goes upstairs. She's going to lay down. She feels faint. She and Emily come to an understanding upstairs that Trix is being harsh and she needs to get over herself basically. But uh, we see by the end of the scene, nothing's changed. Emily and Trix are still bickering. Yeah, they have this big breakdown by Emily. The Trix is loyal to her deceased husband, so she never remarried, but she's lonely, so she likes companionship. By Emily outing this, she hurt her pride. And Emily finally says, but I understand that because I also have pride. But like Uh you said, Nothing has changed. Absolutely not. I did like the scene where Richard, who also witnessed this, just bursts out laughing with Lorelai on the couch. And Lorelai's like, is this a two for one special? Is everyone in this house losing their minds? Nothing really huge becomes of that. Lane and Dave cook up a fake date scheme because Mrs. Kim has really pushed Young Chu onto lane and this is a korean boy he's going to be something probably a doctor a lawyer something big and that is who mrs kim has set her up with so he uses lane as a fake girlfriend 
to spend time calling and talking to his actual girlfriend, who is Japanese, Lane comes up with the idea that she can use this to get Mrs. Kim off her back and allow her to date Dave in secret. But Young Chu starts falling for Lane. And there's trouble in paradise on his side. He's bickering with his girlfriend when they go to this hockey game together as a fake date the whole time. And Dave is very, very jealous of Young Chu because he knows there's something not quite right about this situation. He wishes that it was him with Lane all the time. Rory is waiting around for just this whole episode waiting for him to call her after work and Lorelai finally tells her no you can't be that girl it just waits by the phone go out and have fun so she decides to go to this hockey game where Dean is playing she bumps into an old classmate Lindsay and Lindsay is very short with her very awkward and Lane even notices this come to find out Dean is actually dating Lindsay now and so that's why she's giving her the cold shoulder Dean is still paying attention to Rory at the hockey game, which I think is very odd. So I kind of understand where Lindsay's coming from because it's, well, given what happens, (laughs) red flags, red flags, (laughs) there are some fouls about to happen. Dave, while Lane is at the hockey game, is playing a set, quote unquote, for Mrs. Kim for tea. And he makes it a point when there's a break. He hauls it all the way to the ice rink just to see her for five seconds because he's so jealous and he thinks that she's going to fall in love with young Chu. Sees her for five seconds and then takes back off and runs, what, two miles in under 15 minutes (laughs) just so he can see her and then get back in time to keep playing. It's so, so, so sweet. Now, a highlight of this was when Miss Patty and Babette were opening the hockey scene, singing the national anthem, and Kirk, he's announcing the game, and Dean even slides up at one point and tells him, listen, this isn't coming from me, this is coming from some other guys. They said that if you don't shut the hell up, they're gonna come kick the crap out of you after the game. (laughs) Also, there's a point where he says that this is the first time they've been back to the regional semifinals in 40 years. And then he starts going down a list of if it happens in the next 40 years, he'll still be alive, but Taylor will definitely be dead. And he starts naming all the people who will be dead. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. So we learn that Kirk is 30. So after all of this goes down and then Dean has this awkward conversation with Rory about how he's dating Lindsay and then they're together and they're talking. It's just weird. I feel like Dean is almost using Lindsay to try to rile Rory up and make her jealous so she'll come back to him. And I'll talk about that more in a later episode. Mm -hmm. But after all this, Rory walks outside and Jess had to work late. He doesn't call her Friday night and Rory spends all night cleaning her computer and organizing her books and going through all of her things and just cleaning and doing a bunch of homework and studying is recounting all of this to Lorelai the following morning. So she spent all of Friday night in and then this hockey game is Saturday night and you know she's fed up with it so that's Mm -hmm. why she takes it upon herself to go to this game. Well Jess had to work late so he shows up Mm -hmm. at Lorelai's house and Rory's house to see Rory and Lorelai is there. (laughs) Jess you know says that he's there to see Rory and she's says oh she's not home Jess asks where she is and Lorelai says she's at the hockey game and Jess says (laughs) if you don't want to tell me where she is that's fine I'll go (laughs) because there's there's no way in his head that he thinks that she's actually at a hockey game and then after the hockey game it shows Rory walking out of the arena 
and calling him and leaving him a message on a payphone. And she leaves the nastiest voicemail, just telling him off straight up. You think I'm the kind of girl that's going to sit around on a Friday night or a Saturday night? Well, I'm not. And I'm not going to wait for you. So, bye. Yeah, one of the things that she says, and the only reason I have to bring this up is because of a note. She references something that Lorelai says to her because Lorelai says, well, you were spoiled with Dean because whenever Dean said he was going to call, he called. So she says that she's, she was spoiled by Dean. So she repeats this to Jess. She's like, you know what? I may be spoiled, but I want to be spoiled. So I made a note because you know I had to. And I said, Logan will spoil the <laughs> hell out of you, baby girl. To be fair, she gets spoiled a lot. Homegirl needs a reality check. Yeah, she pees yeah, glitter, like she man. She needs a reality check. And Jess did have to work late. And he doesn't have a cell phone. What? I don't know. I just don't feel like if you know he's working, it's not like Lorelai, who at the drop of the hat is can leave work and do whatever you need her to do or pick you up or do whatever. Yeah, and I don't think that's what they're expecting. But he never called Friday and then didn't try to reach out at some point Saturday. And I'll give her that. But the whole thing about the Friday night thing is he said he didn't get home until after midnight and it was too late that she and her mom would be asleep. So that's understandable. And then not checking in Saturday. Okay. There's an issue. It's easy that morning after he wakes up to be like, hey, I'm yeah. so sorry I didn't call last night. What I was he doing? Until midnight. I know. But then you got to like think about having to actually push it in on an actual phone. That's an extra three Probably seconds. Probably one of those rotaries. Oh. That takes a long time. And so then at about the time she hangs up, he's standing outside as she comes around the corner she sees jess standing leaning on his car she's pouting of course she's got her arms crossed she's being pouty then he comes up and says that he's sorry he got distiller tickets for tonight do you want to go and she says yes of course she also tells him to clear his answering machine without listening to any of the messages yes episode 16 oh god this episode the big one okay <laughs> So we find out in this episode that Chilton is 200 years old. It's going to be a big deal. Just like headmaster to Charleston. <laughs> this episode is extremely, extremely, extremely filler. It's It always happens to us. We're going to get at least one or two a stint. It just, it is the thing. It is what it is. We find out that there is going to be a live speech given by one of the students. There's going to be a slight competition to see which student gets to speak because this will be live and hosted on C-SPAN for the whole country to see. Ooh. Of course, Rory and Paris enter this competition. Rory doesn't even want to, but Paris calls her out on it and says that if she's going to win or she's going to lose, she wants it to be because she competed against Rory. None of the other students are going to be fair competition for her, of course. After school one evening, Rory gets a phone call, and she answers it, and someone says, you know, Rory Gilmore, and she says, uh, speaking, she's like, you're on with Paris Geller and uh, Headmaster at the one moment. So she connects the three-way call. Headmaster tells both Rory and Paris that their speeches were so good, that he's not going to choose between the two of them. He's going to make the two of them merge their speeches together and they will present as a duo. And of course, Paris and Roy are still on the outs with the whole debacle that went down that we discussed in last week's episode. I won't get into it again because, dear God, I'm ready for it to be oh over. Oh my God. And so the two of them start working on their speech and plans. I think at first Paris says that they will work on it over the phone. So this must be like a Friday or Saturday. The next day at 6 p.m. But when the next day comes around, Paris shows up at Rory's house. It was a ridiculous idea for them to think about making a speech over the phone. So, of course, they had to do it in person. Even though it was Paris's idea, but, you know, whatever. In this episode, there's a teeny but humongous little side plot. 
Mm-hmm. We see in the inn, Suki is making lunch and she's upset because guests are sending food back into the kitchen. Of course, we know this all upsets Suki. And she says that people are complaining that the food's too salty or it's this, it's too this, it's too this. It's too sewer yeah. Lorelai comes into the kitchen to see why she's so upset and what's going on. She's like, well, let me just try it. And Suki goes, well, you don't believe me? It's fine. And Lorelai tastes it and she does agree it's too salty, which upsets Suki because she doesn't know what's wrong with her. She said that she had some kind of a stomach bug a couple weeks prior, but she's over it now. And she doesn't know what could possibly be wrong with her cooking. There's also a very quick second where Rory walks into the kitchen and sees the plate. She's like, ooh. And the whole staff go, no, to stop her. (laughs) Rory and Lorelai walk back to the front desk. And Lorelai's talking to Rory about some. Rory's complaining about Paris. We all complain about Paris. Lorelai's typing some dates or something into the computer and she goes, oh my god. And she starts running towards the kitchen as Suki is running out towards the front desk and they both scream and celebrate because they have just decided and realized that Suki must be pregnant. Within this episode, she takes a test. We find out for sure she's pregnant. She tells Jackson and it just sends Jackson on a complete meltdown of... They have to sell the vehicle to get a minivan. Suki has to throw away all of her knives. They have to remove this out of the house because it would be dangerous for baby. Suki can't sleep like this. She has to do this. And he just has a complete meltdown before he finally comes to grips with they've created a new life together. It'll be okay. Chill. She doesn't need to get rid of her knives because it's kind of her livelihood. So it goes back over to Paris and Rory making this speech together at Rory's house. Rory's kind of annoyed that she's there and she really just wants to focus on the task at hand. Paris totally drops that she slept with Jamie the night before. Yep. She's not certain that it was the right time and wants to know what Rory's thoughts on it are when she knew it was the right time because she assumes Rory slept with Dean and she says that she never slept with Dean and then she's like, well, then Jess then. She hasn't slept with Jess either. There's also a moment where Lorelai comes home and is listening to all of this and I did Uh make a note because once Lorelai hears that Paris has slept with her boyfriend but Rory has not slept with either of her boyfriends and she's still a virgin, Lorelai whispers to herself that she quote has the good one yes and i made a note as well about yeah this. i said this is one negative point against lorelei having sex doesn't make you quote bad that is exactly what i said i said having sex doesn't make you a bad kid lorelei no it's just the reality of what it is yeah i i get that this was the big cw mid-2000s narrative but it, mm-hmm. it's not correct and i wouldn't feel comfortable with myself not saying something about it on our oh, platform yeah, absolutely this is not. the 2021 platform uh narrative i'm going to say this once and i will keep it short and brief virginity is a made-up concept meant to shame women and guilt women protect yourself make sure you are 110 percent comfortable and making the right choice for you And that is all that matters. And you can say no at any time. At any time. No is a full sentence for any situation. Also, you are not a chewed up piece of gum. You are not a crumpled piece of paper laying on the ground. Or a broken flower. Stop that. Or a sexually broken something or other. Just, you're not. You're okay. You are fine. You are still you. You are a whole person. You matter. I I hated that. And I hated that whole concept. Especially since, I'll remind you, the obvious here, Lorelai had sex as a teenager. Maybe that's why she's so freaked out by it, but like also, uh. I don't think she views herself as bad though for having, and in fact, she is celebrating it this whole time when she has sex with Max or she has, you know, whatever, like in the mm-hmm. earlier seasons. Yeah, it's really weird. I guess, like you said, it was just CW's agenda at the time. Speaking of Max, 
Lorelai actually runs into him this episode. He is back in town, or at least in Hartford. We find out that he hasn't hasn't been in the show because he had a teaching stint in Stanford, so he's been on the other side of the country. But they run into each other in a pharmacy in Hartford as she's on her way to Friday night dinner. Which I would like to say, because she's had sniffles throughout this whole thing, she said that she was going to the drugstore for a non-drowsy allergy medication. Bitch went straight for the Benadryl. (laughs) She's going to be dead in her plate by dessert. And maybe, I guess, the coffee would counteract the sleepiness that Benadryl gives you. Bro, I would not be able to drive home. I would be so dead. I hate to counter your argument. Benadryl doesn't make me sleepy. It makes me hyper. What the world? It makes me absolutely dead. Like, I feel hungover after I take a Benadryl. It makes 95 to 98% of the population sleepy. Does not make me sleepy. Makes me super hyper. It's because my brain's broken, but it makes me super hyper. Odds are it would make her sleepy. Just saying, she went in for non-drowsy and then I saw her hand go straight for the Benadryl and I was like, whoa. Yeah, I didn't even notice what she was picking up because she bumps into Max and that pulled my full attention. Something about this season, the very brief glimpses we get of him, I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) My attention, let me brush my... My hair. Um, I don't know why. I think it is the tension that I'm drawn to more than anything. Yeah. I have a note here that says, today's the day Luke snaps and goes on a killing rampage. But I have no context. I think someone's pissing him off at the diner. Could be Lorelai. It is Lorelai. It's the opening scene. Lorelai and Rory go into the diner and he's got new menus. Because he's dating Nicole, and he mentions that Nicole said that there wasn't enough options for her on the menu. More salads. So they added more salads and took off the Monte Cristo. They're complaining because Lorelai can't find anything to eat. They're upset that the Monte Cristo's missing from the menu. Luke says, you've never ordered it. And Rory goes, but we've talked about ordering. It's been a talking point. What are we going to talk about now? So he brings them the old menus, and Lorelai says, why does everyone have a new menu except for me? And Luke <laughs> loses it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's my note that today's the day that Luke's that was a beautiful beautiful thing the episode closes out because during this national c-span absolutely nobody old people richard gilmore well he'll have alzheimer's soon enough he'll forget all about this he slept through it for christ's sake he did but during this nationally televised event where rory and paris are supposed to be giving this speech paris is extremely late she shows up right before they're supposed to go on but she's still in the same clothes from the day before her hair's unkempt you can tell she's just a complete mess she is a shell of a person yeah <laughs> she found out that day that she did not get into harvard her whole life plan has been around her getting into harvard and she didn't get in and she's convinced it's because she slept with jamie she's being punished by the universe as rory is giving this speech she starts a line and looks over, waiting for Paris to take her cue. Paris doesn't take her cue. And then Paris goes into an official meltdown and just starts talking about how no one at this school deserved to go to Harvard more than she did. And she didn't get in. And then she drops the bomb that's because she had sex on national television. And everyone's shocked and taken aback. And finally, Rory turns into a linebacker, drops that shoulder and tackles <laughs> uh, Paris <laughs> off stage. Maybe yeah. I fell asleep and dreamt that part. We all wanted to do it. Yeah, she escorts her off the stage, talks her down, and tells her, you know, maybe there's something exciting about being the first Geller to not go to Harvard. Now you can set your own path. I said that Paris's breakdown was hashtag relatable. <laughs> yeah. Because I've been there, not in the same context. We see as Rory and Lorelai come home, they're checking the mail, and Rory has the large envelope from mm-hmm. Gale, Harvard, and Princeton. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I feel like I talked for a really long time for it to be a filler episode, but... 
Oh, there was a lot happening, but it it's filler, but it also lines up other episodes. Episode 17, A Tale of Pose and Fire. I like this episode, I think, from what I remember. The, the Edgar Allan Poe bit was really good. So in this episode, the Poe Society is in town. There's just a whole thing between two Poes at Miss Patty's reading the same thing, which is the Raven, which is so basic. Y'all, Telltale Heart, at least crying out loud but i thought it was really cool whenever lorelei was checking them in she kept coming up with very witty things to say that were poe related and she says it to a family that's not with the poe society at first (laughs) and then she says it to someone who's with the poe society and they still don't get it and i was like damn lorelei's out here doing the most and she knows more about poe than the poe society nerds okay a fire wakes up lorelei well a phone call about a fire wakes up Lorelai. <laughs> Rory busting into Lorelai's room in the middle of the night and waking her up because someone at the Independence Inn is calling her about a fire. So Lorelai answers it. She's like, oh my gosh, put your shoes on. We gotta go. We gotta get down there. And they get down there and the place is wrecked. All the guests are outside. Everyone's accounted for, thank God, but they're not able to go in. So Suki and Michelle and Lorelai start handling the situation, trying to find other places to put up the guests. And what are they gonna do about breakfast? Suki's got breakfast. Michelle's... <laughs> calling other inns to try and quote-unquote find a room but actually what he's trying to find is a new employment so it's pretty good Lorelai walks over closes his phone and says no really we need to find beds it was so slick of hi is this the Cheshire kid I'm calling to see if you have any job openings yeah it was so good now it comes down to the fact that these random ass people are going to have to be put up by the residents of Stars Hollow. There is no amount of money you could pay me. And eventually Lorelai has to leave two families in her house by themselves. There is no amount of money I would leave two randoms in my house. That I would even want two randoms in my house. Just saying. Also, how do you expect a married couple to share Rory's bed? I had the same question. It is so tiny. The only way they could share that bed is doing the horizontal devil's tango. Suki... Went to the store, got everything she needed, and then busted into Luke's. Said, I'm taking over the kitchen. And Luke's like, no, you're not. You're not taking over my kitchen. And then she's like, anyone who ordered whatever you ordered, would you rather have what you ordered? Or Suki's blueberry lemon pancakes. And everyone's like, I'm good with pancakes. And so she's like, all right, everyone in the back. Also, anything that's cooking, throw it in the trash. It was so disrespectful, but also so funny. Lorelai comes in and apologizes and explains what's going on. And Luke is like, fine, you know what? It's okay. I get it. Part of the game plan of Michelle call in, Suki go get breakfast, was for Rory to entertain the children of these families. And she doesn't know what to do. And Lorelai tells her to put socks on her hands and do sock puppets. And we see that this is carried over through the night or the remainder of the night to the next morning. Rory is sitting on a bench next to the gazebo telling this horrible story about you answer the door you answer or take the trash out or something something marital she tells Lorelai that she needs to go home because she needs to get ready to go to school but she can't get away from the children because they keep demanding more stories and so I have a note here that says I actively threw my head back and laughed out loud at this because Lorelai approaches the children and says all right why don't you go across the street into the diner and go get breakfast with your families and after breakfast I wrote this down verbatim after breakfast ask the nice man in the backwards cap and the flannel shirt to do sock puppets for you and if he says no just ask louder it's part of the game and i part of the game i lost my ever-loving mind that's a highlight right there that is peak oh my lord i laughed so hard about that i'm pretty sure i paused so i I could laugh i had to pause too because i didn't want to miss what was coming next (laughs) it's so so good 
Now, because of all these people, of course, like we mentioned, there are two families that end up staying at Lorelai's house. Rory is staying at Lane's house. And we later see Jess actually come see her through the window. It's really cute. Mrs. Kim loses it, runs him off, and shuts the window and locks it really fast. Cricket. Ah, I gotta go. (laughs) Jess was like, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with a crazy Asian lady with a cricket bat. (laughs) Lorelai doesn't have a bed because the second family that showed up. So that leads her to wander through the streets of Star's hollow in the cold dead of night and it leads her to luke's where she calls out to him and he opens the window and he asks what the hell she's doing in the middle of the street and she explains that she doesn't have a bed this is her home now he invites her up but the whole time there's this old lady neighbor that is yelling and telling her to shut up mrs slutsky her name is mrs slutsky (laughs) slutsky so when she gets upstairs luke of course, offers her his bed and he's going to sleep on the couch. And she's like, thanks. And she's talking about how she sees the alarm clock by his bed. She's like, huh, that's crazy. That's the alarm clock. He's like, what alarm clock? She talks about her dream that she had where she was woken up by a million alarm clocks by Luke who set them up and that she went downstairs and he talked to her stomach because she was pregnant. And Luke goes, oh, oh. Like, he's just very taken aback. He doesn't know what to say. I think he just says, well, that's crazy. Like, good thing it's just a dream or something stupid like that. And he asks for more details and she gives it to him. But why I'm like bouncing and bursting in my seat. Did you notice what he's wearing as he's making, he's preparing his bed on the couch? No. Gray sweatpants. Oh my God. <laughs> my note is Luke is in gray, underlined gray sweatpants. I repeat gray, underlined again, sweatpants. That is all. That night's terrible. Jess and Luke both snore like jet engines and Lorelai is just in hell. But hey, a bed is better than a park bench. That's all I'm gonna say. And it's Luke's bed. So like, mm. it's really cute. The next morning, Suki and Luke have kind of hashed it out and they're working together in the kitchen. It's so cute. I love this. I love it so much. Questions arise because Jess's attendance at school gets sus. He's got employee of the month and while Luke is there cheering him on while Jess gets his plaque, the manager mentions that, oh yeah, anytime anyone calls in sick, Jess picks up the shift. He's working 12 hour days, 45 hour weeks. And Luke's saying, well, he works for me too. And he goes to school. So there's no way he could be working 45 hour weeks. His bright idea to trap Jess is to steal his car, quote unquote, <laughs> which I thought was the most dad thing ever. And he's so smug about it when Jess looks outside the next morning after he steals it. He's like, someone stole my car. He's like, what do you mean someone stole your car? I gotta go to the police. I can't go to school. I gotta go. I gotta go to the police. No, no, I got it. Looks like I got it. Go to school. It's just around the corner. You don't need your car for that. Just go on to school. I'll handle it. Jess finds out when he... Rory ends up visiting Paris, who has not come to school for five days because she's been hiding in her bed and just depressed. And Rory gives her a pep talk, which inspires her to call Jamie and stop watching these soap operas that she's been binging and making her more depressed. And also just tell her parents about not getting into Harvard. Get a life plan, figure out what she's doing, and rejoin functioning society. Don't know what that's like, but good for her. Glad she could achieve that. And then this whole episode, Lorelai and Rory are making pro-con lists about which college that Rory should attend. And after a heart-to-heart, they both agree that Yale is the one. Because Logan's there. That wasn't on the pro-con list, but by God, it's on what's ease. <laughs> but she doesn't know he's there yet. It's just an extra bonus. We'll be right back after a quick break. 
episode 18, Happy Birthday Baby. I have to say, I love this episode's cold open. It's at Friday night dinner. Lorelai and Rory decide that this is the moment to announce the decision to Emily and Richard that Rory will be attending Yale in the fall. And at first, Richard and Emily sit very stone-faced and they're just taking in the information and they're kind of looking back and forth between Rory and Lorelai. They both say, all right, you can be happy. Lorelai even stresses this, that this is good news. She's excited for Rory. Yale is the right school for them, that this is where she needs to go, and that it's 100% okay for Emily and Richard to be happy about it. They kind of look at each other again and they jump up. Richard says he has to call this person and Emily says she has to call this person and they have to get this together and this together. And then they (laughs) run back in and they both squeeze the hell out of Rory. I made a quick, very teeny tiny note that said tears of joy over going to Yale because it was just so sweet for them to like enjoy that moment together. I love it. I have a soft spot for these grandparents. I love it. The main big push about this episode is because it is Lorelai's birthday and Rory has decided that she's going to have a secret surprise party with the entire town that she set out to have the world's largest pizza and within this episode she finds out that it won't even be the largest pizza in the county but probably (laughs) Stars Hollow and it'll be big enough and Lorelai will still be impressed. If she asked Suki to help her, she probably could have pulled it off. Suki would have made that shit happen. I would also like to say that I agree with Rory for not enlisting Suki because Suki may have slipped the surprise. Okay, that's a good point. So Kirk, because it's Kirk, he actually ends up sustaining baking-related injuries. The pizzeria that Rory has hired is trying to test all the different logistics throughout the episode of how is this pizza going to be strong enough to support all the toppings? Maybe we have it without cheese and without toppings. Maybe we make two crusts or a stronger crust. And then they have Kirk test out how to deliver it. As he's trying to load the pizza to the top of the car, he ends up dropping it and all the hot cheese rolls down and burns him and he's got insane burns. It's... It's Kirk. Um, Yeah. It's Kirk. That's all you need to know. As Lorelai said in an episode, I don't remember which one, really hope that guy doesn't look too closely at his life. Uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. In the episode where there was the fire in the Independence Inn, we meet the night clerk, Tobin, and we find out between that episode and this one that Tobin and Michelle really don't like one another. They start competing in this episode to give Lorelai the best present. Tobin starts with a candle that smells like cappuccinos. Then Michelle gets her a really beautiful leather-bound journal. And then Tobin has to top this so he gives her a famous musician's leather jacket. And Michelle goes, be here when I get back. And he runs out the end to go find her another present. Richard actually tops all of this. Not that he's in competition, but he definitely takes the prize for best present. Uh, He makes an appointment to have tea or coffee with Lorelai. As they're sitting down, he tells her that he has something for her and he explains that the day that she was born, he wanted to do something to celebrate. So he snuck out of the hospital while Emily was resting, made an investment in a piece of real estate in Lorelai's name. He was contacted by his attorney earlier in the week that this piece of real estate just sold and... Lorelai's piece of this investment is actually now worth $75,000 and he goes on this whole spiel about how this isn't a birthday present but he's legally obligated to give her this money. There's a plot B where continuing from the last episode that Luke finally confronts Jess about skipping school to go work at Walmart because Lorelai tells him I think he's skipping school that's the only way he can make these hours work and of course Jess blows him off. 
Cuts back over to Lorelai and we find out that she decides that she's going to use the $75,000 to pay back Emily and Richard for the Chilton tuition. She always intended to repay that loan. She always considered it a loan and she decides that this is how she's going to make it right. This upsets Emily. She takes it as a slap in the face because she assumes that the repayment of the loan is a sign that she'll never see Rory or Lorelai ever again. Of course, the only reason that they were coming to Friday night dinners is because of this loan and now that they've been paid back, why would they ever come back? Lorelai's very confused by this because this is not at all what she had in mind. I think she wanted to ease back on Friday night dinners, but it was never her plan to never see them again. She also accidentally slips that Richard gave her this money, which sets Emily off on Richard as well. Within this episode, Luke meets Nicole's parents because the two of them are starting to get a little serious about one another and her parents are coming into town. So he meets them, but he makes a super bad impression because he's super stressed about Jess. You know, they ask him if he's ever been married. He says he's never been married, but maybe if he met the right woman, he would. And they talk about children and he talks about how he's having to parent Jess. And he goes off on this big rant about how they'll cut school and they'll lie to your face about it. And they go to Walmart and they're working hours and he just kind of goes crazy. And her, her parents are sitting there like, whoa, bro, like this is more than we needed. I love it. He looked like he just wanted <laughs> to die. Talking about law. I feel like these people are related to the family we talked about. Two episodes ago? Two episodes ago, yeah. Yeah, the Get Out family. Yeah. That's, they're related. Cousins, brothers, uncles, something. Um, And I think that's pretty much how this episode ends. We find out that, I think it's in this episode, or maybe it's the next one, I'm sorry. Luke and Nicole are talking about it. He apologizes for making such a bad impression. Says that he wants to meet with her parents again so he can show that he's not crazy. And she says, well, that'll be a few months from now. And he's like, that's fine, Pencil me in. We will learn that that was a mistake. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> episode 19, Keg, Max. On their first free Friday night, Lorelai and Rory are at a loss on how to spend the evening after not having Friday night dinners anymore. They call Richard and Emily's house and Richard picks up and answers and there's a rager going on an old rich people rager they've got a piano man playing they got champagne they've got hors d'oeuvres it is a party over at the gilmore house and lorelei's just taken aback. like oh my god my parents are partying harder than we are what is this this is ridiculous lorelei then gets appointed as grad night treasurer for chilton because she hasn't invested enough hours and the bitch pack that runs the pta is on her ass. The Booster Club. They mentioned that this would be her first meeting, which we know isn't true because she hosted the fashion show. Mm-hmm. But they mentioned she didn't participate, that this would be her first meeting, and all in all, and I was like, this isn't canon at all, but not ready for bitch watch. Mm-mm. Maybe this semester? Or this school year, I think, but still. They acted like they'd never met her before, and it was a completely new pack of people. Eh, it doesn't matter. And at this meeting, Max comes in and is sitting in. And Lorelai is completely taken aback. Ends up, because Max is not at the next booster meeting that Lorelai attends, she confronts Max that he's avoiding her. Why are you avoiding me? And he explains, no, that was my last meeting that I had to be a part of. And so Miss So-and-so took over. I'm not avoiding you, Lorelai. I'm not avoiding you, Lorelai, although I need to. And that was the scene where she's chasing him around the classroom and saying, but why, Max? And he's all, we need to keep distance. Keep a piece of furniture 10 feet at all times. 
And she's like, I didn't bring a measuring tape. You're going to have to help me with that distance. And I'm like biting all my fingernails off. (laughs) (laughs) It's so intense. She is pursuing this man and he is like a scared animal. I love it. They come to the conclusion that they need to just be apart. They they cannot be together. It is too powerful and they are just not meant to be together. The sexual tension is amazing, but it's just not, it's not meant to be. It's not healthy for either of them. Lane has her first gig with her band at a house party. And I love the dudes throwing the house party. They're such nerds. <laughs> Did you notice who the main party thrower was with the braces and the shaved head? He looks familiar. I don't know who that is. The bully from Freaks and Geeks. Oh my god. He's Alan the bully from Freaks and Geeks. You're 110% right. That is totally him. Putting all the valuables away. Rory and Jess are there helping the band set up. And she asks if there's anything she can help with. They say, no, we got it covered. Young Chu is at this party. And Rory and Lane come to the conclusion because Young Chu will not leave her alone. And he broke up with his girlfriend, his Japanese girlfriend, Karen. That he's in love with Lane. So that is trouble, if I've ever seen it. Trouble with a capital T. True. Also, Young Chu, he is sitting in the same spot the entire night. That man did not piss. He did not eat. He did not drink. He did not do anything. Because he had to save the seats to watch Lane play. Okay, bro. Jess is very irritated this entire episode. Because he finds out that he cannot get prom tickets. The one thing Rory wanted because he's missed too much school and he's going to have to retake senior year. He's really pissed about this all episode. Rory's trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And here's where I'll play devil's advocate. Because Tanner used to do the same thing. I'm not saying it's good and I'm not saying it's healthy. We've come a long way. But I understand what the deal is. It doesn't make him a bad person. He just does not know how to vocalize issues. And he doesn't want to let Rory down. It's a problem. He needs to grow. He will grow. But not in this episode. (laughs) Or the next. Or the next. Uh, So Jess is staying with Rory through the party. Dave freaks Lane out whenever he freaks out because he realizes that Young Chu is in love with Lane. It upsets him. He has to just be apart for a few minutes. Their first set goes off without a hitch, though. Um, This triggers Lane to start drinking, and then she ends up calling her mother drunk, talking about how she had beers and she's in love with Dave. Dave finds her, panics, because he's like, that was not your mom. Please tell me that wasn't your mom. (laughs) And it was, and he totally realizes that she's drunk. He's just like, okay, can you play? Can you even drum at this point? She's like, yeah, I can drum. I can bang those brums. And he's like, yeah, but can you play the drums? (laughs) This is why I love him. He's so cute. They run into Dean and Lindsay at this party. Things are fine. Rory goes upstairs to try to find Jess and they start making out on the bed. And then he gets a little handsy, even though she said no, which I said, man, does this boy have no self-control? What is he doing? What are you doing? No is a full sentence. No is an absolute stop. And he eventually does. Thank God. He's not a total piece of shit. They have a fight. Rory runs out crying because she doesn't know why Jess is mad at her. He's pouting and then he realizes, crap, I'm not mad at you. I've really messed up and goes after her. But she's already ran into Dean on the stairs. And what does Dean do? Because he sees Rory crying. He starts a fight with Jess and absolutely wrecks this entire house. Jess fought back, which I can't fault him for because that boy is large. (laughs) 
And they take it all the way to the front yard, Rory's screaming at them to stop, and then the cops show up. And so everyone's got a dip. The next day, Luke has to go over to the the house and talk with the parents because apparently the house is trashed. Dean was there. He set up a payment plan or something, but Luke didn't even know Jess was in a house fight until he got there. Lorelai's there because Rory had to get Lane's backpack and... I thought it was so funny, so immature, but so funny that Lorelai finds out that the whole fight that ripped this house apart was over Rory. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, you're the wind beneath my wings and starts singing to her as they walk down Did the I road. I tell you, you're my hero. <laughs> I almost sang that when the furnace guy left today, like under my breath as he's fixing the furnace because my furnace went out in the cold weekend but i didn't oh what a shame man that is so something i would do (laughs) your first ranger and you had two boys fight over you oh my god you're so cool lane's backpack has been vomited on it looks like real gross she's probably not gonna want that backpack back but whatever mrs kim has not said a word she's just frozen lane out completely won't say don't punish her won't do anything it's just awkward (laughs) even rory's like nothing she hasn't said anything (laughs) there's also a side plot that since the inn has been messed up by the fire that they're having to lay people off and Lorelai offered luke a free night at the independence inn with nicole um because she was going to come down for them to go do something together but she couldn't stay over because of jess and luke's bed isn't big enough well, because of layoffs, she's having to do turndown service. Oof. Mm. That scene. <laughs> the one room, the one room she chose to do it in was that one. That scene gave me so much secondhand embarrassment, secondhand anxiety. Oh, yes. She walks in with her little basket of mints and she's like, oh, I I forgot you were in here. Oh, well, I'll do the turndown service and... Luke and Nicole say, no, really, it's fine. And she's, no, I must do it. You you paid for it. He's like, I didn't pay for anything. You comped us this room. (laughs) Throws mints on the pillows. And then she makes it awkward by, do you want a nice fire? And she tries to light it because it's a log in a bag and it's easy peasy. She can't get it lit. And they're just staring at each other the whole time. It's so awkward. She eventually leaves. Thank God. After she opens the curtains and offers to draw a bath. (laughs) It's... So much extra. Also, she offered it because Luke was going to assess the fire damage. So maybe it was those logs in a bag that got all this messed up. Who knows? I will say, whenever during that party that Jess came into the kitchen and there was the keg, and he was like, what are you guys doing? And he just takes out the tap and just puts it in. I was like, oh, teenage Megan would have loved that. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, this is the moment where you remember he's not a teenager. He's a full-grown adult playing a teenager. Of course he knows how to tap this. Episode 20. Say goodnight, Gracie. Also, hi, Gracie, if you're listening. You're probably not, but you know, it's okay. Laura's listening. Oof, talk about, why did I get two fillers this stint? Okay. Fran Weston, the little old lady who owns a bakery and also the Dragonfly Inn, dies. Woo! Fran's dead. They can get the dragonfly. Ah, uh, I was like, why are you cheering about a little old lady dying? Hey, she didn't need it. I almost said finally dies. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bruh. Lorelai and Suki take it as this is now their time. This is their opportunity. Let's try and buy this dragonfly in. 
Rory and Jess try talking to one another, try to approach one another about what went down at the party, but they both fail to talk. Um, we see as Rory is going towards this funeral for Fran, she tries to go into Luke's where she sees Jess counting the register, going through uh, going through tickets, and she tries to walk through the door, walks off a little bit, goes back to the door, almost opens it, but then she changes her mind, goes towards the funeral. Then we see Jess as he walks towards the door, walks back to the till, walks back out, and then walks back to the door, goes out, but then he comes right back in, and Luke is like fixing his cuff buttons on his shirt under his suit jacket, adjusting his tie, and he just stands there and watches this moment of beauty of the awkwardness <laughs> between these two teenagers. And this scene, even though I don't, I could give two shits about it, it's really well played out uh-huh. because this show, there's so much dialogue and so much spoken word between everybody, but this was a moment that was completely in silence besides whatever background music is playing. And the scene just speaks for itself. After, after this funeral, Dean call, or pulls Rory over to the side. Dear God. And he decides this moment, after the town is saying goodbye to this beloved little old lady, that this is the perfect opportunity to tell Rory that he proposed to Lindsay and she said yes. This piece of trash. you're telling me he didn't do this just to rile Rory up and try to get her back. Uh, Not that there, not that there's anything wrong, I guess. I'm not going to shame how people want to live their lives. I will. Getting married young is a terrible idea. Well, it works for some people, but it, a very small minority. Yeah. They haven't even graduated high school yet. And he's already popping the question. What's the plan? Exactly. Because you change a lot. I am nowhere near the same person I was when we first met. This is a terrible idea. Horrible. I agree with Rory. Never thought I'd say those words. 110%. I don't know what he expected. Who runs to tell their ex-girlfriend I'm getting married? What What did you expect? He expected her to fall down in his arms and beg him not to. That's exactly what he thought. And that's why I hate it. It's not fair to Lindsay. It's not fair to Rory. It sucks all the way around. We find out at the end of this funeral... That Fran's last wish was for our last walk around the town square, which entails pallbearers carrying her casket and moving at the pace that she did. Very, 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 very slowly. Just like how long it took her to frickin' die. As Lorelai and Suki are sitting there and they realize that they're gonna have to walk through the town, but Lorelai's having to rush back to the inn, they realize in the front row is Fran's lawyer, who would have details of the estate of what's going to happen with the dragonfly Inn. And they decide during the walk around the square, they're going to approach him, even though he is a pallbearer. He is in the front carrying this casket. This lawyer, do you know who he is? The actor? Mm, he looked familiar. The lawyer that they approach is portrayed by Ben Falcone, which is Melissa McCarthy's husband in real life. Oh, that's cute. They're anything that she's in, he's in basically. Gotcha. That's really cute. It's really fun to watch when Melissa is able to pull Ben into things. They write together a lot. Anything that she's written, they've basically written together. Or if she's cast, he has a very small like little plot in it. So he says he doesn't see why they couldn't buy the Dragonfly in. This isn't a great opportunity to talk about it, of course. Uh, again, he's helping carry a, <laughs> a casket. But to get with him on Monday and he'll see what he can make work. Mrs. Kim comes out of her freeze a little bit, talks to Lane, because she really wants to go to the prom with Dave. 
Dave shows up at the house and is talking to Mrs. Kim about how he, you told me Lane has a crush on me. And you know what, Mrs. Kim, I have a crush on her too. And I really want to take her to her prom. And it's so Full suit and tie at the door. Yeah, full Full suit suit and tie. And he goes on this whole rant about how he doesn't drink carbonate or carbon anything carbonated because the bubbles upset him. <laughs> and he doesn't watch television because mostly it's boring. He doesn't play video games just on the off chance that it really does make you a so- uh, psychopath or killer or something. He goes on to this whole thing of how he's worthy of Lane. Mrs. Kim rattles off a quote to him. That's all she says is she says this quote that I don't have written down, but it is what it is. He and Lane are very confused as to what this means, but he assumes it has to be out of the Bible. So he runs home. He shows up the next morning. And uh, as I mentioned at the top during the ranking, he's in. His, he's still in the suit. His tie's undone. His hair's all over the place. And you could tell his, he's just wired because he hasn't slept. And he says he read the entire Bible front cover to back cover. He doesn't know what this quote means. He couldn't find it. She says that she's very impressed that he was able to read the entire Bible in one night. That takes true dedication. She goes, I myself have only done it three times in my life. But she says the quote was from Shakespeare because she too likes to have fun sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. I loved that. It caught Lane and Dave off. Yeah. Just so off base. As you mentioned last episode, Luke finds out the full details of Jess and Dean's fight at the party gets even ups- uh, gets even angrier with Jess and oh I hate this Jess's father comes to Stars Hollow because he has to for the next episode to make sense he comes and sits in the diner only orders coffee wastes a bunch of Jess's time Jess is trying to get him to leave so he can turn the table once Luke comes into the diner Jimmy uh, Jess's father sees Luke and clears out and Luke realizes he left his wallet looks in his uh looks in it for his ID, realizes who he is, tracks him down to his motel room, which, how did he do that? I don't know. I guess it starts hollow. It's small. It starts hollow. Everybody knows everybody. It tries to scare him out of town because he doesn't want this Jess situation to get even more complicated. He told that man. He never liked him. He never liked him. And that if he didn't clear out, he was going to put him through a wall. He could pick the wall but he's going through a wall and i paused everything i was doing i was think i was cooking dinner and i stopped everything i was doing and went (gasps) so good jimmy ends up coming back into the diner after it's closed finally says something to jess jess is like great it's you again he reveals that he's his father and that he wants to get to know him but they sit together and they listen to bowie's suffragette city for a moment and then Jimmy clears out again because that's but just basically what he does. Because he's just a piece of garbage. (sighs) Filler. Episode 21. (laughs) Here comes comes the sun. Here comes the sun. S-O-N. Sun. Yes, I couldn't not sing it. Sorry. Jess and Rory are on the outs. They haven't really talked. Jess and Luke tie into it because... The whole drama with the father coming back into the picture for a moment, even if it was a moment, telling him about California and his snack shack, and Luke getting very defensive and saying that Jimmy's no good and that you're not going to be able to graduate, and if you don't go, um, you got to quit your job at Walmart, work for me, and retake your senior year and graduate, otherwise you cannot live here. And so Jess says he doesn't want to do that. So he clears out. He packs his bag. 
and he catches a bus. Rory's also on this bus. It's really sad because she gets up and walks over to him and they kind of smooth things over at least a little bit. Not fix everything, but just smooth things over to where they're talking again. And he says, all right, yeah, I'll catch you later. And she gets off of the bus to go to school, presumably. And he stays on and we see him pick up a big bag of his stuff that he is leaving and he's not getting off the bus. He's headed to Venice, California, where Jimmy has a snack shack. I didn't realize this the first time watching it. It's almost identical to Stars Hollow. Jimmy is a Luke, but a very terrible, shitty version of Luke. And he has his own Lorelei, right? He has his own Lorelei named Sasha. When he finds his dad's house, she's up on the roof working on something. He asks where Jimmy is. She says, oh, you here to collect bills? No, I'm a son. Oh, well, you know, like in The Wizard of Oz, where they ask to get in, and then they don't let him in, and then they say something else, and, oh, that's a horse of a different color? Well, that's a horse of a different color, my friend. Come on in. I'll meet you downstairs. And there are these dogs that are barking and snapping at him. He asks if any of them bite. She's like, oh, only those two. And then just walks away. He's like, what two? He meets the stepsister, presumably his stepsister, who likes to hide and read in closets. <laughs> She'll come out of there one day. Then Sasha takes him through town where she knows everybody. It's very Stars Hollow-esque with Lorelai. And finally they meet up with Jimmy. Jimmy's very surprised that Jess is here, which I don't know what he expected. They have this whole thing about how Jess can't stay there and he doesn't want Jess there, but he wants Jess there, but he can't stay. And are you running from the cops? Why did he just show up? And Jess even asked the same thing. Why would you just show up and then not want to continue this conversation, this relationship? I don't know what... Jimmy's plan was. He didn't have a plan. And even Sasha's pissed about it. Not at Jess, just at Jimmy about not doing the right thing. But also, who is this random kid that you never told me about? What the hell? Also, is he running from the law? Is he actually in mm-hmm. trouble? What is he bringing with him? I feel bad for Jess. I feel really, really bad. Because I kind of understand that situation. And it sucks. Not with my dad, but other people. Lorelai and Emily are going at it all episode because of the check that Lorelai gave her. Emily is making snide remarks and snide comments about things. Lorelai sees Luke at the back door while Rory is cramming to study. And he does these like motion waves through the window trying to get Lorelai's attention to come outside. And she thinks he's a crackhead. She doesn't know why he's doing this. And he explains that he doesn't have the heart to tell Rory, but Jess is gone and probably for good. Yeah, he's got an idea where he's gone, but he's not sure. This whole episode, Lorelai is really wrestling with how to break the news to Rory, since she's so stressed about finals and graduation. Rory goes over to Emily and Richards for a outfit for Emily, who Miss Celine is there. And that woman, who is played by Alex Borstein, I would have never recognized her. In that get up, I know. I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I would have never recognized her. Then you didn't believe me. I had to double check. That's the part that I'm the most upset about. But she was amazing. I love that character so much. Look, Sabrina, it's Natalie Wood. When Lorelai walks in, the maids announce once Lorelai comes over that dinner is ready. Emily says, no, it's not. It's not ready for another 15 minutes. And Lorelai calls her out and says, you're just saying that because you're not asking me to stay for dinner because you're mad at me and you, it would be rude if dinner was ready. And so they go back and forth about this and she finally says, okay, well, can Rory stay for dinner? Oh, of course Rory can stay for, oh, but I can't stay for dinner. Real mature and storms out. She explains to Rory that you're gonna stay for dinner and Rory says, no, I'm not staying for dinner. Goes back in and she tells her grandma she's not staying and that she thinks she's being really stupid about this whole thing. As they're driving back through Stars Hollow, 
Luke is sweeping the steps. They went and ate somewhere else. And Rory jokes that, oh, do you think Luke will know that we cheated and we ate somewhere else? And he sees them and dips into the (laughs) diner really suspiciously. And Rory asks, why is Luke running away from us? (laughs) He's sweeping the stupid. He throws the broom and he runs into the diner. Yes. (laughs) He basically dove through the door. Might as well have just broken a window, Navy (laughs) sealed right through that thing. Lorelai has to tell Rory that Jess is gone. And Rory isn't really surprised and says that she felt like this was coming. So there is a note here from the wiki that this was supposed to be a backdoor pilot for a spinoff called Windward Circle that would have focused on Jess living in Venice and befriending a group of skateboarders. (laughs) Ah, yes. Put the hooligan with the rest of the hooligans. Yeah. The WB didn't pick it up because they found it just as boring as I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Not wrong. Episode 22, season finale. Those are strings, Pinocchio. Great line from Lorelai. Okay, the season finale. Finale. Boo freaking yeah. Rory learns in this episode that financial aid didn't come through because of the $75,000 that her mother gained from that investment from Richard. Lorelai's plan for all of this was that she wasn't going to put money into opening the Dragonfly Inn, that she was just going to pay for Yale out of pocket, which how much money did she owe the Gilmores that she had leftover money to also pay for Yale. Chilton couldn't have been as expensive as I thought it was. She got a $75,000 check. I thought Chilton was 5000 Like a semester, I thought. Oh? In that six semesters, I guess it's only $30,000, but Yale is only forty. I guess in the 2000, who knows? Whatever. Who knows? It's a television show. It doesn't matter. I'm putting too much thought into this. Curtains are blue, Witsy. She has to tell Suki that she's pulling out because she can't afford it, which means that Suki's going to have to look for other employment, especially because the Independence Inn had to actually close because of all the losses from the fire. Not only does Yale think Lorelai is just all of a sudden greatly wealthy, She doesn't even have a job to take out a loan for the next investment. Rory absolutely insists that this cannot be the plan of action. She does not want Lorelai taking her money away from her dream to pay for Rory's dream. Because this is everything Lorelai's ever wanted. And she really wants Lorelai to go after the Dragonfly Inn. So right before graduation... She takes it upon herself that she's going to go sit down with the Gilmores. She presents them with a proposition of her own. So she sits down across from them in the sitting room and says that she needs money. They open the door to see her and they're like, oh, is everything okay? And she's like, we need to talk. And you know, both of those grandparents thought she was pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) You know. So they're like, yes, of course, come in. They usher her in, want to make sure everything's okay. And so she sits them down and matter-of-factly just tells them that she needs money. She wants to take out a loan with them for Yale because financial aid didn't come through. So she wants them to pay for Yale. She will continue her Friday night dinners with them. She wants to keep Lorelai out of it because this loan is between her and the grandparents, Gilmore. She wants to get a job and be paying them while she's going to school. Richard agrees But on his terms, she will not pay interest and she is not allowed to pay on the loan until she is, uh, until five years after she graduates from Yale and seven years if she goes after her master's. But the loan is on. Within this episode, there is a moment where, either this episode or the last episode, where Emily calls Lorelai. Emily and Richard want to get Rory a car for graduation. It's something she's going to need for college 
and it's just something they really want to do for her. Lorelai agrees, but she doesn't want her to have anything hugely flashy. Italian cars are fine, but it can't be like a Lamborghini, you know, Sly's favorite type of pasta. Yes. We love some Lamborghini with some Alfredo in this house. Rory goes on to graduation. There's a whole thing with Emily and Richard getting there, not knowing if they can sit with Lorelai, Suki, Jackson, and Luke, because Luke is the OG and goes to this graduation. Hell yeah. Lorelai has to pull them over and say, of course you're sitting with us, and then they don't sit right next to her. They set a chair down. She urges them to move down. It's a whole, it's it's a dumb thing. It's really stupid and petty because Emily doesn't, or they lie with one another. Right? Why wouldn't you just, for the one day, get over it? This is why, this is why they're in the seat here. Even Richard is playing along with at this at this place like bro come on grown ass man yeah before graduation i'm a little all over the place but before graduation rory tells lorelei what she did as far as setting out getting the loan from the gilmores lorelei delivers the title episode of those are strings pinocchio you don't just take money from the gilmores there are going to be you know this is more than what you just think it is and rory says it doesn't matter they're her strings she really wants lorelei to go for the dragonfly lorelei after she moves the gilmores to the correct seat she leans in and tells suki I'm back in for the dragonfly. Go call the lawyer. Suki's up to go call her husband. Just kidding. Uh, Suki goes up and goes calls the lawyer. (laughs) And we find out that they're going to get the dragonfly. Really cute. Really sweet. Lorelai and Suki, during the graduation, we... Oh, we find out Rory is the valedictorian. It's a whole great, wild thing. I don't know how she beat Paris out. Right? Is it because Paris had to miss... Five full days of school. It didn't make any sense to me, except for the fact that it isn't the Geller girls, it's the Gilmore girls. I know Rory's smart, but I don't think she's valedictorian smart. And she wasn't there the first year. Exactly. No offense, but mm-hmm. full offense. Mm-hmm. So during the graduation ceremony, Suki and Lorelai are telling themselves that they're not going to cry. And as Rory's giving this really moving speech about her, her, her mother's her role model and how all the things that she learned, the mo- the person she wanted to be the most like was Lorelai. Lorelai and Suki are saying, okay, we could cry, but no blubbering. Mm-hmm. And they look over and <laughs> Luke is blubbering. And he's like, of course I'm blubbering. You guys are freaks because they're not just <laughs> losing it. I know, and he's just full on wiping, ugly crying. If he had makeup on, it'd be everywhere. We see that Richard and Emily, after graduation, present Rory with a brand new Prius. It's going to be her cute little college car that she can get back and forth with. After this, she and Lorelai are taking a trip through the halls to kind of reminisce and look through Chilton and the fact that Chilton isn't so scary now that she's on this side of it. Rory gets a phone call, and as soon as she answers it, the call drops. There's no one there. And then she she gets another one and Rory decides that she knows it's Jess. So she goes inside where it's quieter and gives him a whole speech about how she could have loved him, but he messed this up. She knows he's gone and she just wants a clean break. You know, she's done. She's not trying. She's not going to miss him. She's not going to pine after him. She has to move on with her life. And I'm proud of her for that. This phone call is what does it for her. Very proud of her for that. There's a very small little B or C plot in this episode towards the top that Luke mentions to Lorelai that he is going on a trip with Nicole. They are actually going to go on a cruise. Lorelai goes, oh, are you going to propose? And... Luke says, I have no intentions of proposing. Lorelai says, of course you don't now, but you're going to have dinner at the captain's table and things get romantic and you'll just propose without even thinking about it. Luke starts thinking that he might cancel on the cruise and mentions this to Lorelai later. And Lorelai's like, no, 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 you, you still need to go on the cruise and have fun. Don't worry about what I said. But we see 
after this graduation ceremony, Luke is cleaning in the diner and Lorelai comes in. It looks like she came straight from graduation because she's still in the dress that she wore. And she looks at Luke and he's like, hey, you know, what are you doing? And she says, don't propose to Nicole on the cruise. And he goes, what or why? And she goes, just, just don't. And she walks out of the diner and Luke wakes up in the armchair in his apartment. My note is Luke's dream freaking got me. So I remembered the dream that starts this season. I forgot this dream that ends the season. That one got me too. I totally forgot. Totally. Absolutely. Because I know we're about to ramp up the next season, but I, this one got me. I was, I didn't remember this and I went, whoa, 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 whoa. And then he wakes up and I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah. Right. Like it was so, oh, I was about, oh, so well done. It was. Sorry. That was, that one got me. I also love Lorelai's dress. And I love that when Miss Celine said to wear red, because it looks good with nature, Lorelai ended up actually wearing mm-hmm. a red dress. 10 out of 10. Made for her. How do you feel about this stint? Oh, I love it. Excited for season four. Yeah, I'm very excited for season four. I also like this one. It felt a lot easier to watch. And they all meld together. Mm-hmm. There's a through line. I still think some of the writing feels a little rushed, like it did in the last stint. Actually, excuse me, like it did in the first stint, where it was very go, 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 break, break, break with Dean, and then very go, Uh go, go, and break, break, break at the same time with Jess. Yes. We know not very much time has passed between the beginning of the season and the end of the season. It's a school year, at best nine months. Dean is now engaged to some girl he just started dating because he's trying to get back at Rory, because he's trying to get Rory back. Jess and Rory were so desperate to be together. Then he dips town and breaks up with her by ghosting her. Well, technically, he ghosted her and then she technically ends it over a phone call because he's too chicken yeah. to say anything. Uh-huh. It just feels like they tried to ramp up for a big thing, ran out of time and went, well, what do we do now, folks? The timing just doesn't feel natural, but that may also be the way we're digesting it. That's true. Also, I feel like it feels like Rory and Jess just started dating and then all of a sudden he's dipped. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's more time that's passed than we realize. It can only possibly be a school year. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I feel like it might have been how I'm digesting it. It feels like it's been a month, maybe two. Mm. For me. Because we didn't see Christmas. We didn't see major holidays except for Lorelai's birthday, which we know is in late March, early April. When is hockey? Ooh, good catch. It looks like high school... It kind of depends, but it could start in November. Hockey is considered a winter sport, which would run November to February. Okay, got it. Rory and Jess are already together before hockey season. And I'd like to point out, Dean and Lindsay are dating around the time of the semifinals. So towards the end of hockey season. Them getting together and then getting engaged is really rushed. It is. And like I said, that's why I think it's just a ploy by Dean. Oh, it is 100%. Technically, I guess he gets what he wants, kind of, but not really. But yeah, I'm trying to think. We know that... This is the end of the school year. They kiss at the beginning of summer, but I'm not counting that as them being Uh together, of course. And it wasn't cold yet for the dance festival. Correct. The dance marathon's before the 11th episode, correct? So it's not halfway through the year because tip... Typically, the say the 11th episode's halfway through the season, which would be the mid-season finale, usually r- roughly Christmas. I'm really stretching here. Yeah. So they've been together most of the school year. I'd say probably six months. But it just feels weird because Rory's very like, yeah, okay, that makes sense that he ran off. She's very nonchalant about it. She's not very attached to the idea. Even though she says that, I could have loved you. What? 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 Who? Where? 
Huh? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They put so much emotional weight between Rory and Dean because it's her first boyfriend and they dated for two whole years because they had time to pull that story out. For some reason, they think, oh, we need to introduce a new love interest because Dean's getting kind of boring. Oh, Dean's been boring. Oh, man, she's going to college at the end of this. Uh, It just is so rushed. The timing doesn't feel... It doesn't feel well fleshed out. And that's when I feel like they did just dirty. I feel like Jess could have been a really cool character and I would have loved to see him actually... I know you're excited for Logan and I'm excited to see Logan as well. But I would have liked to seen him actually buckle down and say, I want to get into an Ivy League. I want to get close because I love this girl. She's all I think about. We see he's super smart and then maybe even fall short of that and not go to college. And that's fine. And he gets a job. That's what that's kind of what happened. I know. But I'm saying I would like to have seen this go down. Seen this in the story, like we saw Dean go from not going to college to now going to college. And except he doesn't. He becomes a construction worker i'm just saying i feel like we get so much more of dean's character that i do not give two dams about where i feel like jess could be an actually interesting character but it sounds like they gave him the short end of the stick because they were looking at maybe doing a spinoff show but still it's really bizarre very bizarre and i'm not saying this because i don't want to see jess on the screen i do like what they do with jess moving forward once once he comes back into the storyline a little bit and he's had the time to I like the way they did it where you don't and we'll fully obviously fully get into it but mm-hmm. I like that he goes off and does it on his own okay it's impressive to be able to notice and witness the change in him got you I'll take that sometimes it's nice to be pleasantly surprised instead of having to watch someone get the crap kicked out of them 17 times you just see mm-hmm. the change in them I just feel like Jess are better And I feel like what we see in starting Jess, they start to unravel at the end because they don't know what to do with them. We said it before, but there was that meme of these two aren't on the same level. Not that I think you have to date within your league, but he's not ready to handle Rory. He's not ready for that. He's not emotionally there or emotionally available enough for her. Mature. Yeah. He has his own demons, his own life, his own story to figure out. And Rory's leaps and bounds in a different direction. Arguably, though, she hasn't had to go through the same things he has. Uh, No, not at all. Not at all. She's had it so much easier. Yeah, that's why I said she's in a different direction. I didn't say she's ahead. She's leaps and bounds in a different direction. Gotcha. As we will see in the year of a year in the life way later, it's completely it's completely different because he had to grow up and figure out his ish, Mm -hmm. and everything's been handed to her. It's Mm -hmm. the balance gets shifted in the the other direction. Uh, I'm glad that at least they didn't do him dirty in the very very end. This. Sets off for Jess's redemption. I will give you that. He does get redeemed. And I will agree with you. I don't think they tr- they knew what to do with this character they created. They made a very complex character and then they went, oh. It's too complex. <laughs> Where do we take him? Oh, uh, California. <laughs> West Coast. He was introduced in season two. I feel like the timing would have worked if they would have pulled the Dean story a little earlier and then started the Jess story a little earlier. They just didn't know what to do. They threw too many balls up in the air, couldn't juggle them all and went, well, let's just see where it lands. And again, that may be because we're watching so many at once. They wrote this to be a weekly thing drawn out over a very long point of time. You're not going to be able to scrutinize every little detail the way we are. But I do find Dean's character interesting. I think he's that boyfriend that people have that everyone on the outside sees him as, oh, he's such a good boyfriend. He's so attentive. He's so sweet he's so nice but there's another side to that man 
that the public doesn't quite see and it's this manipulative it's this we see sneaks of it but i i don't know maybe that's just me bleeding into it maybe the curtains are blue but and you know i i really try hard to want to like him yeah i know i don't like him at the end of the day i knew yeah. that going in but yeah. i wanted yeah. to try and give him a chance because yeah. there's a very popular podcast a few years ago called gilmore guys where two guys mm-hmm sit down and watch all of Gilmore Girls. One of them had seen it and was obsessed with the show. The other one had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. And they interviewed many of the original cast. And most of them, they get asked, every time they interview one of the original cast, they ask them, Team Dean, Team Jess, Team Logan. And most of the stars hollow cast will vote Team Dean. Which is so dumb. Lauren Graham votes Team Dean. What the heck? Girl, listen, I love you, but we need to talk. Dean is a terrible person. Knowing that information, I really wanted to try and take it to heart, but I just couldn't. Yeah. I was curious to relearn why I have such a strong opposition to Jess. And then he dips out of town on a bus and doesn't say anything. And I'm like, this is it. This was the final nail in the coffin. I mean, I haven't liked him since he showed up on screen. And see, I find what Jess did at least better than what Dean's doing. Dean is just, he's manipulating things. He's ruining people's lives. He's ruining his own life. At least Jess just took himself out of the equation to try to make everything everything slow down and just figure out where he's at yeah so i respect that more so than what dean's doing not that i think that is the correct choice but i could see a emotionally unavailable probably traumatized teenage boy needing to just escape yeah and get his life together and i'll say this to close out and then we can move to the actual closing um i just a random memory i just remembered the first time i watched this was back in 2016 i wasn't even dating my husband this was a few months before i even started dating my husband but i was talking to this guy online and he was asking what i was doing that evening and i said oh i'm watching gilmore girls and he was like oh i love that show my sister made me watch it in you know school or high school or whatever he asked where i was in the show and which boyfriend i liked And I said that I was either in like this season or the next season. And I was like, I didn't really like either one of them, but I think I liked Jess better than Dean. Because of the the two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this guy said, well, I'm Team Logan. And I said, well, who the hell is Logan? This guy was like, no, no, no. Like Team Logan's where it's at. And then you meet Logan and... You just lost your breath. No, not at first. I did not understand it. So we will get there. Not this next season, but the season after. So it'll be fun to relive this journey with me. But um, I'm excited to meet Marty next season. Yeah, I don't remember Marty hardly at all. So it'll be a good time. Remember, if you liked what you heard, to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at BitchWatchPod. You can follow me at bean.buttrito on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to find me on Twitter, drop the dot and witsy. Witsy12 on Instagram and EC underscore Witsy on Twitter. Remember to make good choices. Or don't and be smart about it. Bye! Bye! Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. (laughs) Bitch!